0: Hello, friends. Hello, hello, friends. I'm very happy to have you all back here on Improv and Magic. As you know, I'm your host, LD Madera, and I hope today's episode brightens up your day. My guests today are two phenomenal improv actors who I've had the pleasure of playing with, mentoring, and watching them do their thing. They are David Hepburn and Alex Taylor and together they are known as Cousins. David and Alex are actually Cousins in real life, and in their duo show they provide comical group therapy to the audience and act out potential solutions. Or at least, what they would do. Cousins has been performed in multiple venues and improv festivals around the country, and audiences everywhere have been raving about this amazing show. In this conversation, we share a lot of deep stuff, and also laugh a whole lot. Be prepared to adjust your volume because many times we burst out in a lot of insane laughter. I love and appreciate these guys so much and I hope you'll appreciate them too. Here are my guests, David Hepburn and Alex Taylor. Man, I am super happy because I'm sitting with two of the finest gentlemen that I know, cousins, David Hepburn and Alex Taylor. How you doing, fellas? Didn't
1: I tell you we was two of the finest? (laughs) Well, we're good. Yeah, we're better than good. We're two of the finest.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I I really love you guys a lot. (laughs) I mean, you know, all the time, you two are always amazing me with your incredible range of talent. I mean, you know, so much that comes out of you, Alex, and so much that comes out of you, David, and it's like, there's, I'm constantly being surprised by you guys, by how talented you are, and there's always, like, something new that I discover, and I discover something new when I see you two perform, Mm Mm-hmm um how did you guys get reconnected because i know it was through improv but how did y'all get reconnected
1: well first of all i appreciate you citing like i knew that the juggling and introducing the penny farthing into the act was going to be something that people were not going to be ready for so i'm glad <laughs> that you at least caught that because a lot of people don't catch it so thank you for that Um uh, but yeah by all means
2: alex how did what was it um how did we how did we reconnect? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started taking improv classes in here secret, at, in stealth at Just the Funny, in two thousand seventeen. at a point where I didn't know what a Just the Funny was, right? And um, mm. so, I th- and uh, one of my uh, the guys that I took the class with, his name is Jeff. He um, this is
1: just an innocuous name. I don't think it's a real person. Jeff McNabb.
2: <laughs> oh, he recommended uh, to go to Cutler Bay Community Theater because they do drop-in improv uh, classes on Mondays. Especially for rookies and sweet cookies. Right. I was
1: already going to Cutler Bay Community Theater because I was actually looking for an opportunity to be able to express my gift and also kind of find my tribe. Mm-hmm. So I had been going there uh, a few times and it was just a regular drop-in one night and I uh, just remember hearing the door ring, boom, boom, boom. And look, I'm like this is my cousin Alex? <laughs>
3: <laughs> what the hell are you doing in here? Is that David? <laughs> <laughs> blood clock?
1: Because I had, as far as I knew, first of all, I hadn't. What I probably hadn't
2: seen you in a since decade your, uh, at least. What's well, since Your uh, uh, th- that's not. Oh, that's your dad passed. Huh? Yes,
3: yes.
1: Um, so that was years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had never heard nor caught wind nor waft. Of Alex doing anything theatrical whatsoever. So I was, to say the least, gobsmacked to see him step in. So I'm like, oh, he must be doing Uber now. Like, you know, that personal Uber, they drop, <laughs> walk you up to the actual class. So I thought he's doing, I don't know. I was looking for the pizza, but he ain't had a piece in his hand. So I'm like, this is curious. <laughs> You have anything to say for yourself, Pizza Uber Uber Pizza Man?
2: Um, honestly, it was just me looking. You know, I needed a change. I needed a shift. I needed some Don't
3: a pick a me
1: change. up in my life.
2: Yeah, I had just um, I had just finished um, graduated from Nova with my MBA. Congratulations! And um, you know, it's just looking for a change because mm-hmm. the Don't MBA did change. not elicit a job that I thought was, you know, that the NBA was going to elicit. You know, like, you I have an MBA you. on my resume. Now I got Ooh-hoo. six figures, like, ah. bam, money, 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 money. And that money. didn't happen, you know. But weren't you
1: working at a place that had an M in it?
2: I was working at JC Penny. Oh, there's no, <laughs> no. there's no M there. No M. But again, like, you know, thinking, hey, guys, I got my NBA. This will put me on a track to... For promotions, for more money, none of that happened. Sex,
1: drugs, and rock and roll. No and doubt. I needed, um, uh,
2: mm-hmm. like I said, just that put me in a. I mean, other things had me in a bad spot, but that just added on top of it because mm-hmm. now, I'm a uh, hundred thousand dollars in debt, I and I don't have a hundred thousand dollars, you know, that I'm making. So, right, um, yeah, I needed to pick me up. I was watching The Office one day, and it was uh season two and email surveillance and 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 um. He's taking, Michael Scott is taking this improv class. I was like, that is
0: cool. Yeah, we've all seen that scene. (laughs) Uh, With the exception of me. I have not seen that scene. You Uh, haven't seen that scene, really? No, I haven't seen that scene. Oh, you gotta watch it. Oh, I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'll probably go watch it
1: now if y'all don't mind pausing the podcast.
0: Um, (laughs) It's great, because (laughs) he just comes in and his thing is, in every scene, he just takes out a gun and shoots everybody.
1: (laughs) That's his email (laughs) surveillance? Yeah.
0: No, the oh. name of the the the, mo- the
2: name of the episode was email surveillance. Okay. But his yeah. improv gun. I yeah, assume. yeah. Oh. But he was going to yeah. improv class. Yeah. The other group was having the other people in the office were having a party. Mm-hmm. He wasn't invited because he's right. the boss. So, he's like, yeah, I'm busy anyways. I have an improv class to go to.
1: Okay. This is great for people who are listening to a podcast, especially those who are familiar with this scene. Yeah. Like, everybody in the free world besides myself.
2: So, you're saying so. I shouldn't explain it? No, 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 please. <laughs> oh, okay. i am just saying
1: it's unfortunate for them. It's great for me because I'm getting actual information. For them, they're like... We saw this. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. So I,
2: anyways, I thought it was cool. So it's yeah. like, let me go online and research and see where I could take improv classes at. Yeah,
1: and like as every black man does in his rites of passage, if it's good for Michael Scott, it's good for black society.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of <laughs> yes. yes. well, yes, gorgeous Because I yeah. knew I could do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. Michael Scott can do it, yeah. it's yeah. no, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, Little known fact, that was the original slogan the campaign for
2: Obama. If Michael Scott can do it, so can I. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. And then they, you
1: know, uh, they, they condensed it. To, right, yeah. Like, yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
2: So, that happened, and um, yeah. I showed up at Cutler Bay, and I'm like, hey, why is... David here? Like, what is... What, what I is, belonged there.
3: After.
1: Was, interestingly enough. For, of intruders and invasions, uh, you were on my roach turf. Right. Um, but, yeah. And so, I feel like shortly we ended up in a scene together. Yeah, we did a Almost scene immediately. together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And That's it was awesome. chemistry. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, immediately. Immediately. Um, there was a certain... Synergy and uh, almost, I guess a performance finisher sentence um, and then there was, I think there was an uncanny familial familiarity hmm. you know that created a certain kind of connection that you just can't really define or manufacture, but it was like just there.
0: Mm. right, yeah. Um, let's start at the beginning. Uh, we'll start with you, Alex. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Miami, Florida, in Richmond Heights. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm. What was growing up for you like? Mm. Ooh. boy, I wish we had some dramatic music. <laughs>
2: it was um, I don't. It was like a normal. Uh, I don't say normal, but Mm-mm. um, yeah. I grew up with my mom, my grandma, my grandfather, and um, my stepdad, mm. and um, yeah. My dad wasn't in the picture at that time, and um. Yeah, I grew up, and me and my stepdad really didn't get along. Really? Yeah, yeah, we were, I don't know, as a, especially because this was around, I was like, and he was in my life from, probably, I was like six to 18, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he wanted, uh, he always wanted me to work outside with him, always, you know, fixing a roof, fixing fences, like, you know, whatever's happening in the garage, and, you know. Put the nail here. Ah, oh, you didn't do it right. All right, I'm going to hold the nail. Hammer it. Well, Hammered his know. finger. <laughs> yeah. yo, I was about to ask you, are we talking
1: Antoine Fisher bad or are we talking no. fences bad? And then you said fences and mending fences. Then I think Will Smith and you know the story with him and the father having them teach them one brick by brick by brick. They I, hated doing it. But I, I just mean, think, like for me,
2: honestly... Um, I wasn't in a place to really respect him mm. um, because I wanted my dad there, of course. Yeah. You know, so anything. So we we're arguing all the time. I mean, and you know, the the one thing I could say his name was Nelson. Like he was there, you know. So that gave me the perspective. As I got older, his perspective of respecting the fact that at least he was there, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make a difference and you know we had good times, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say we didn't, but um, yeah, I, I definitely wanted my my dad there versus him being there. So, What's your
1: fondest memory of you and Nelson?
2: Um, whew. um <laughs> You said <laughs> Nelson had a stash of um of magazines. <laughs> And videos
3: <laughs> Wait
2: Did y'all share together No He just He just You know You know As a young teenager Right 14
0: 15 16 uh, uh, You know Like So that was how you connect with <laughs>
1: uh, I remember those uh, rolling and track And auto And you know, Gearhead magazines. I'm I'm presuming that's what you're talking about.
2: Sure, yes. If that's what you want to call them. Yes, yes. Of course. Yes. Heads and (laughs) tails? And everything in between. That was, yeah, that was a connection. And, um, yeah, he would (laughs) have... <laughs> Not what I expected. I'm trying so hard to take this, <laughs> but uh, Nelson oh was from God. Venezuela. Uh, oh, was he really? Yeah. yeah. So that's another because nice. we took two trips to Venezuela and Ooh. we were there for two weeks each time. The first time I got chicken pox, which is really nice. yeah. On the way there, oh, you okay. know, as I land, like I start breaking out, and ah. well, I thought you had. Venezuela so I had to spend house. two weeks with chicken pox with, you know, the his family there. And,
0: and that is not a fun experience. But yeah. they took care of me, you know, mm. so that
2: was um beautiful, you know, it was a beautiful experience. Ham, eggs and, you know, mm. uh what I forgot what the bread is called. But yeah, it was um special bread? Well, it was it's I I'm not gonna say it's I guess Venezuelan bread. I don't remember what the bread was <laughs> called. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't the bread that we—it we wasn't had. Wonder Bread. It wasn't Wonder Bread. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so
1: all the Venezuelan listeners yeah.
0: can you know chime in and hit us up. Yeah. So, no Venezuelan. So that was yeah. That was. Did, did you ever end up warming up to your stepdad? Yeah, um,
2: I guess as because uh, eventually him and my mom broke up like uh, right around the time I was uh, graduating from from high school. Mm. Um, so, of course, after that, then you know we started like. At least I started warming up to him because, again, gaining perspective and appreciating, you know, the fact that he was there, you know. Yeah. Um, even though, like I said, I didn't um, always want him there. Or, <laughs> right, right. You know, um, yeah, I don't know how those other people have those relationships, but, you know, I mean, there's the stepdad, you know, uh, Jesus had a stepdad. So, you know, um, you look at that relationship. So, um, yeah, you still appreciate you still have perspective and appreciate that person being there. Can
1: you expound on the connection between Jesus having a stepdad and
2: I mean you having a stepdad? Well, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, respecting the person that's giving you love as a mm-hmm. father figure. Okay. You know, and and that's was there for Jesus, you know. Yeah. Um you know even though God was always there but it's but that, Joseph was there yeah you know, almost, yeah showing him how to be a carpenter and, and his show mom
0: yeah. prior to yeah you? yeah I, I think this is david's subtle way of comparing you to jesus that's right Thank <laughs> <you>. well <laughs> I, I didn't i, do, I wanted to make see if i, I didn't was, do that. that's what it sounds... you know, i was no, sure just, i just wanted to, yeah. i just yeah we got just, clarity yeah 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 uh cool let's go to you
1: david huh? uh, where did you grow up oh my god i grew up in uh Sunny Richmond Heights, Florida. All the way live 305. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we don't actually have like an actual call out for it. But yeah. Richmond Heights, Florida. Yeah, and what was growing Saturday. up for you like? Um, I would say growing up for me was actually very good. Um I I feel like um trauma free. Um my parents divorced um at an early age for me, but Uh, my dad was like eight, nine minutes bicycle ride away Mm. so he was always present so I never had the feeling or the sense or the experience of a vacancy or an absence of my father my father was always present Um, and I was able to just go back and forth which was actually fun uh, because then it felt like I had two houses um, and two sets of different people who were making magnificent meals um, and different things I could be excited about from going from one to the other and and um. Yeah, I think I had a facility for art very early. Um, that talent was very present. I'm pretty confident I got it from my dad because my dad was also a painter. Um, and some of my fondest memories are him teaching me how to draw things from, like making muscles. I used to remember, I remember making drawing muscles with like coins, and you'd use a penny and nickel or a, a quarter in order to draw a, a larger muscle in an arm. I didn't um, know that. Uh, well this is not like you know the Stanislavski method or like Da Vinci's technique for whatever but I mean just little things you draw the little hindies in the sky that made birds it'll just be like little upside-down booties um, but just the time you would, send, you would spend sitting and having somebody actually sit with you this is the valuable precious quality time of just being there and having him you know one cultivate this thing that I feel like I got from him uh, Inherited from him, but then also um, just that, again, that, that father-son, um, you know, I to say master-teacher. Um, um, Miyake? Yeah, that too, but then also, yeah. what's the Padawan and the, what's the other one? Uh, oh, Darth Vader?
0: Uh, Je- uh, Jedi Knight and
1: Padawan. There you go, oh. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you were in the right... You were in the right. Yeah, you were yeah, in the, the right, right franchise. Yes, <laughs> not the dark side. No, <laughs> well, no, definitely the dark side. <laughs> Darth Vader is absolutely my alter ego for sure. Um, but yeah, so it just you know, very fond memories of that. Uh, having a talent early was fun because um, you feel special and you feel like you're separated um, and recognized for this special thing. Um, and then I didn't. I didn't follow the intended course for people in my neighborhood as far as like the school so excuse me i originally was supposed to go to i think fc martin which was the neighborhood school at that time they were taking you know uh, african-american kids from our neighborhood and taking them outside the neighborhood and vice versa so i ended up going to gloria floyd um, and that, again, was a great experience. And then from there, I went to Magna magnet school. So that was Southwood. So all of my upbringing was multicultural, mm. you know, and then being an artist, you already think broadly, you think out of the box, you kind of think atypically. Um, and I think all of that was like a really rich gumbo that I basically kept coming up in. Um, at a certain point, there was a separation from or deviation from like, you know, my neighborhood friends to then starting to deviate into having relationships in these schools that are outside of the neighborhood and i remember one time there was a point where that kind of became a source of contention and it created a schism you know Mm -hmm. and there was some friends who you know obviously are genuine friends and just love you and care about you Mm -hmm. and then there's some friends who for whatever reason feel ostracized or decide that they don't understand or they're jealous whatever it is um and they they attack you or malign you for it but either way you know that caused rifts um and some separations but I loved being in the arts. I loved being exposed to diversity. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And then from Southward, Southwood to New World for one year, and then from New World, I finished out at Miami Northwestern, <clears throat> Excuse me, which was a tremendous culture shock because it was the first time, I guess, I experienced reverse racism. Reverse racism? Yeah, mm-hmm. because it was the first time I had been in a school that was 99% black. Everything else had been united colors of benetton rainbow coalition of people um and so i was coming there but i was coming there as this bizarro stepping off the mothership type of you know young black man that they had never seen before you know we were there in z caprici pants and uh g-rock shoes with patent leather and steel toes and silk shirts and you know there just was no there was There was nothing to prepare them for that that iteration of blackness because it just didn't exist in that area at all. So mm-hmm. it's very foreign and very alien. So by comparison, my friend Eddie Gillen, you know, he's Hispanic, yeah, he has no control over being Hispanic. so he's accepted as, oh, well, you're Hispanic. But when you come in and you're black and you are extremely alt from what black is in that area. Uh, it's it's weird mm, and it's mm. strange and they didn't, you know, again, you know, young people aren't usually inclusive or uh, evolved enough to recognize that the diaspora is so much bigger than just your your blocks. Um, and so it was it was a
0: yeah it was it was a real culture shock and an adjustment um, to be accepted. Was it difficult for you to go through that and find that acceptance? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my safe haven was the art room.
3: Hmm.
0: You know, Miss mm-hmm. uh,
1: Maggie Davis was extraordinary. She was pivotal in all of us being able to go to um, to college, and specifically at Cooper Union in New York. Uh, if it wasn't for her, I absolutely would not have. Hmm. I-, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. Uh, she took each and every one of us under her wing ensured that we put together a portfolio or a concentration portfolio, which is what we had to present to the various universities in order to get accepted. And she was with us and stayed on top of us and ensured that we got that done, made sure that we got those applications in. I mean, it, it, she, it was really um, uh, in no short um, exaggeration thanks to her that, that that happened. And she took us a portfolio day and we all presented to, you know, Pratt, Cooper Union, those were two of the biggest ones, um, and and so on and so forth, but mm-hmm. yeah, the art room was where I could go and have sanctuary, you know, the, the, <laughs> the lunch room was like mm. the arena, mm. because you <laughs> never knew where the fight was going to j- pop off mm. at, so really? you were always head on the swivel, and you never knew what was going to happen and when it was going to happen, and then again... You know, maybe I was more hypersensitive to it because I just wasn't used to that at all. Because I'm, I'm used to this fame, and everybody's gonna jump up on the thing, and somebody's gonna beat on the music on the desk, and they are gonna dance on the table, and somebody, you know. And this was not that. This felt like you were in general population, and again, you don't want to give too much eye contact. You don't want to bump into somebody. It's like, you know. And I hate to paint this picture, you know, because you know it's it's a great school, but it was rough for us, and it was very difficult to adjust to that. So we get our terrible, you know, lunch food, and then go over to the Payback, Performing Visual Arts Center area. And it was like this whole other world. And you could feel it as you transitioned from out of dangerous minds. And then you crossed over this little threshold. And all of a sudden, again, it's like, fame, I want to live. You know, and you go in that art room and throw that classical music on. And all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, this is my happy place this is my safe place and you know we're accepted and it's just this is this is where i belong you find your people
0: Mm. yeah find your space i totally hear you i had sort of a similar experience like that Mm. um i mean i didn't go to any like rough schools or anything like that but definitely the the theater department was my safe haven as well um was there anything david in particular that got you interested in performing at such a young age
1: The inciting
0: incident, I'm glad you asked.
1: Uh, Seventh grade, English class, we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird, which Mm. still is one of my favorite books. Um, And I love the movie as well. And for whatever reason, the teacher was like, you know what? We're going to take a section of this book, and we're going to act it out in class. Mm. And my hand went up. And of course, no, I didn't play Scout. Uh, I played Tom Robinson. And I don't know why, I'm not sure what... It clicked for me. Mm. It just... It clicked for me, and I got up there, and I did... You know, I mean, his hand was... Somehow was... I don't know if it was mutilated, something, but it's like I remember taking on the form of the hand and sitting different and then speaking and kind of just... I I adopted whatever I thought was the character, and it just was... It was automatic. It was natural. It all made sense, and, you know, it's like when you... As a performer you you can feel when like divinity or you know whatever you may call your inspiration or flow state or you know there's a number of different things to call it but you feel it mm. you know when that happens and i feel like that descended and i did that and that was my first taste of like acting and it just it, it felt right but it wouldn't be until 10th grade when my friend uh darius jenkins wrote a play called rise to the top mm. and he had me do like the opening monologue, and I remember stepping out, and it was like from the time I opened my mouth, I mesmerized the audience, and you can feel when you have them at rapt attention. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because I I, I realize I'm really not, I don't play for the applause. Um, I'm not. I'm really not. Um. Narcissistic is probably too strong a word and too negative in its connotations, but I'm not I'm not somebody who's like um I'm not so much like 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 a uh lusting for the for attention. Um You don't long for the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. I don't long for the spotlight. But that magic moment of when I know I've got you, that is that that that's the, the thing for me. And um Being able to operate in your gift and in your purpose, and you know it, you feel it, and there's this synergistic connection between you and the audience. And again, it's like you just you're a puppet master at that point. Yeah, yeah. And again, it just it it went over, and the things that people were saying to me afterwards, um, all just kind of confirmed. And I feel like my teacher, Ms. Davis, also, I think, kind of pulled me aside and said, "You really, you really have a gift. You really have a facility for this. You really should pursue this." Mm. So then that opened the door for me to kind of double major, sort of. Um, which I wouldn't have been able to do at New World at the time, but I was then able to stay in art, but then I was able to dabble in theater
0: and do both simultaneously, and then that's when it really started to, nice. to take off. Nice. Um, Alex, what about you? Was there anything that you experienced when you, when you were young that got you interested in being a performer? Um, well, I did go to school. I, just,
2: I know I didn't speak about it. I did. I go I you went just, to I went to elementary who middle school are you right now. In high school just I <laughs> <MBA laughs> earlier and now you went to school too? Yes, I just want to let y'all know I did go to school. <laughs> These are my I graduated from Killian, Miami Killian. Do y'all have a, a hey Cougar Pride. There you go. Um <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting and when I was growing up in the church, I you know, I was always at my church you, as a youth, you you have we have an Easter program, uh, Christmas program, so you have to speak. Like they give you speeches to to recite during during these programs. So I was. My mom and my grandma made sure that I was participating in that. Mm-hmm. One year, they had me play Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, this That's was really? <laughs> you brought that up. <laughs> no, uh, it perfect. just came to me. No, perfect. It no, just I mean, came to me. But I, I did, I did, uh, yeah, I I, I played Jesus one year for the Easter program.
0: Wow.
2: And, um...
1: That's funny, because I also...
2: You did? I, I did. I played Jesus at church. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that it was in you know, but I enjoyed it, you know, because you just had to memorize all those things, so, you know, like, you're trying to work as a kid, trying to remember all that stuff. So that was fun, but it never, like, that performance... Thing never, I felt comfortable speaking in, in front of public, in front of mm-hmm. the public, but it was never like I need to get up and perform. You didn't have a bug. bug. No. Yet. And then high school, I was in a black history play um, where we would travel throughout the, we would travel throughout Miami and perform this black history play. I don't remember what the play was called, but it was fun. <laughs> black history in Miami. No, it wasn't. Okay. It was <laughs> but it wasn't like I had the urge to go to to be in the theater or drama or mm-hmm. the AV club. I just, I mean, I wanted to play football. Okay. You know, my mom wouldn't let me. My mom and my grandma wouldn't let me play football at a for Optimus. You know, it's too dangerous. dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I got I I got into bowling. But I still... Did you really? Yeah. I'm a, Yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't know you were a bowler. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love
2: bowling. Yeah. He's an avid bowler. <laughs> yes. He, I, I beat him every time.
0: Really? Yeah, but he's
2: he's very good.
0: I still love it, even though I lose <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know what's so funny? I, I tell Erica all the time, whenever the day comes, whenever I retire, I, I would like oh, to yes. join a bowling, oh, a bowling yes. team. Yes.
2: What? Yes.
1: You should start one, and yeah. don't wait until then. Yeah. Let's really? It, no, yeah, let's get it going... So by the time you do, it's like you already have like a federation that's in place, and you can just acquiesce into it with with, with vim and vigor. Uh, How did you build up the confidence to be uh, comfortable with your, your shirt off when you were playing Jesus?
2: I had a thing. You had a sash? Yeah. Like a toga? Yeah. I have to worry about that. Yeah, okay. Well, the church like didn't want me showing accuracy. skin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wasn't happening. So you weren't crucified, Jesus? No, no, oh, no. Okay.
2: no okay. Uh, uh-uh. it was uh, yeah, before that, right? Um, and before the passion of Christ. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, I wanted to play football, and I wanted, and I was bowling. You know, I was in the Boy Scouts growing up. Um, I made it to, what is it called? Weeblow? No, I got past We be Loyal Scouts. I got past that. Tiger? Star. Uh, I was a star. Oh, so that's, when okay. you're further up in as you get older, you got star, life, and then Eagle Scout. That's just before mm-hmm. you so, become
1: like part of the Food of Islam, isn't
2: it? Eagle Scout is the most, you know, like that's the Heist. biggest, that's the biggest honor that you can have as a... As a Boy Scout, so. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I, I was a Weeblow when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Weeblow, Wee-Blo. Wee-Blo. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. yeah. But uh, I got to a point where it's like, Boy Scouts said, no, nah, I got to stop. This is, it's what? too weird. Oh, no, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I don't like camping like that. Like, I'm just mm. not. No, no incident. But, mm. you know, if, talking about being amongst a tribe and being amongst your friends, like, it wasn't a lot of black kids in and Boy Scouts. Really? We were
1: friends with lots of people who were not. Huh?
2: It was just me and my best friend, Alan. And, the um, same Alan? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he eventually, he's, he stopped going. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm by myself and just not really, even though we're Boy Scouts, it's not really connecting with the other, the other kids that were there. So it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing this. But you know, uh,
1: Jesus felt very lonely too when he was a child.
2: Okay. Thank you. Oh. So many Jesus connections we're making with you, Alex. Is there something you're not telling us, no. Alex? <laughs> Trust
0: me. Are you, are you levitating right <laughs> now? What are you, doing? you said that. Uh, I'm looking at my water bottle. It's starting to turn a little bit reddish. It's starting to turn a little bit reddish.
1: <laughs> Can you make my pineapple ginger Oh, please? boy.
0: <laughs> um, Take a request at 11. <laughs> Uh, was it tough for you to associate uh, with, with other kids? Do you did you experience kind of uh, the same thing as as what David described? Yeah, In a um yeah, because a lot of my friends,
2: like my best friends, weren't at the same high. They didn't go to the same middle school I went to. They didn't go to the same high school I went to. Hmm. So, like the you know the friends that I have till this day, like. We all went to different schools, so that was, um, you know, just feeling, um, yeah, in some instances feeling alone, like, even though you have friends at the school, right, but still just trying to, like, but you're not my best friend, mm. Mm. so it's not, like, yeah, we're, con- you know, we're connected, but not, like, that deep connection, they so. They call that
1: improv friends now, don't they? Like,
2: um, what? Yeah
1: right the phenomena of improv friends oh okay
2: so yeah so yeah um but i would see my friend i see my best friends on the weekends because we bowl together and then after bowling we go outside and play football so like this was like so i couldn't wait till the weekend you Mm -hmm. know um but again that performance gene bone or that bug never really it never really hit me you know um when I was working at JCPenney, I don't know, it, when I was working at JCPenney, you know, you, they play these songs on the speaker, like, I know these songs, so I'm singing it throughout the store, but that's, it's more for me to, to be happy while I'm working, mm-hmm. you know, not to, you know, not to impress anybody or, right. you know, just to create a show or anything like that. Um, Is there a connection between the experience of you singing
1: those songs? Alex is has Alex given my favorite and probably one of the best renditions of uh, Sting's or The Police's Roxanne Karaoke uh I've ever seen. Uh, it was gobsmackingly amazing and fantastic and phenomenal. But Alex really does not like <laughs> music. He doesn't like singing and rapping or doing musical improv. But... He's so entertaining at it and everybody loves watching to do it and he's very good at it but I'm just curious cuz that rock said was outstanding.
2: It um you know what the the thing about music and 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 all that you have to stay on rhythm. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> there's a rhythm, there's a beat as something you need to follow. Right. And for me that's the hardest thing to Ooh. you know so if I, if you don't see me clapping along and maybe cause that's me trying to stay on rhythm, you,
1: you know,
2: they do, you know, sometimes they do the like, the I can't keep up, like the church clap. My I can't head. keep up. Like, I, you know, so, you know, staying on rhythm is, um, it's a hard thing for me, you know, so that'll get me. That'll get me in my head. Yeah. That'll get me start thinking, overthinking, <laughs> oh and not feeling confident. So. And
1: despite it, every single time it's entertaining, and people love it. And partially, probably, the very thing that you're considering a defect kind of becomes your superpower.
0: Yeah, like I, I've been in, in a few musical improv shows with you, and I have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but what's great, though... <laughs> But what's great, though, is that you still super commit oh to what God. you're doing. And it's like, you don't make it look like it, it was a mistake that you made. Right. You make it look like that's exactly how I meant for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is what I love. Oh. I, I don't remember who said it, but there's like a, a jazz musician who says, um, I never play a, a wrong note. Mm-hmm. I just make sure that the next note complements what I just played. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, again, I don't remember who nice. said it. I'm sure someone will... Google yeah. it or someone probably knows and will leave a comment saying, it was this person. You
1: know who knows? Cornel West.
0: Mm. He's a huge music
1: fan, jazz in particular. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, he'll probably, he'll text in or, or something. But that's,
2: I mean, you like, say sure. that, you know, like, make sure the next note complements that note. Yeah. So, whatever that note was previously, mm. it's hard for me to make sure I compliment it. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, so, that's, you know, like, I, it's not that I don't love doing musical, but, like, the pressure of staying on rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. is, um, again, it's something that that bothers me. So, it'll get me in my head, oh, and boy. then, um, yeah, that'll oh, start boy. a whole whirlwind of just... You do not want to see
1: him... Like, Hulk, you do not want to see him when he's in his head. Um, but that is the beauty and the miracle of improv. Like, where else can you do a musical thing where the so-called defects are actual um attributes yeah you know what i mean like if you if you're singing in any other standard capacity you either you know you have to sound good you have to be able to find, be on pitch you have to know the you know all these technical things you have to be able to do in order for it to sound right and be effective improv that is not the case
2: at right all. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that's
1: magical. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I remember, I don't know if you saw this, but it was one year, I think it was like the Grammys or something like that, and Adele... Was singing a song that was supposed to be a, a tribute to Prince. Mm. She was singing a Prince song, and and this was live, and she was singing it in completely the wrong key. Mm. And she was well aware of it. And at some point, she actually just had to stop and say, "I'm sorry, folks. I I, I need to start this over again because you know I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to honor the, the memory of Prince. I want to do this for him." So she actually stopped and had the orchestra start again. And I get why that happened. There's a part of me that thinks. I wish she would have kept going Mm -hmm. and made, Mm. if if that was a musical improv show, I'm sure she could have made that, yeah, we could have made that into something. Yes. You know? Yes. But the only thing with that, I do feel like there's a certain
1: level of forgiveness um, when it comes to improv. Mm. And this is kind of, maybe sort of the reverse, uh, this is probably, possibly the negative part of it. Because I also wonder how improv plays back. Like when you're in that room in the immediacy of the moment, I feel like there's a certain amount of of latitude that's given where something can be really, really great even if it may be off or whatever. But if you go back and watch it or if somebody's not in that immediate room in that immediate moment, then it's, it's, the the latitude diminishes because then it just becomes critical like anything else because people don't necessarily bring to it the understanding of, oh, wait a minute, that was in the minute, in the moment and because of that, you know what I mean? Like there's a certain amount of latitude and forgiveness that's given to it because it's
0: improv Mm -hmm. that I don't know holds up for repeat viewings outside of the being there in the Mm. moment. Right. Yeah, when you're there, it happens in that moment and then it just goes away. It's never there Mm. again.
1: But I mean, but it can sound brilliant there live, Mm -hmm. but if you listen back to it, now you hear all of the things that were off and defective and da-da-da, and that feels very different than the the genius of it live compared to the, the, I guess, the discernible flaws of it upon viewing outside yeah when you're
0: in it you don't realize what flaws are happening until you like if someone records it you list you watch it back and you're like i do that a lot yeah which is why i don't watch myself that often because in the moment i'll be like wow that felt really good and then i will look at the video back and i'm like why the fuck am i doing that why the fuck am i doing that 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 happens a lot um what 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 trajectory did you guys uh individually have for yourselves? Like what did you think the plan was or what was the plan uh for your lives? Like what did you want to be? Where did, where did you want to end up? What did you want to end up doing? And either yeah. one of you can start this off.
1: I thought I was going to school in New York. I was going to meet Spike Lee who was my idol at the time and the motivation for me wanted to become a filmmaker. He was going to see the obvious talent that I had to present and essentially that track would lead to me being one of the premier African-American filmmakers of our generation, decade or ever in the history of humankind. I can say I am still on that track for that. That didn't happen. Come on.
0: <laughs> so so did you actually live
1: in New York for a while? Yeah, I was actually in a Spike Lee music video too. The Were you Arrested really? Develop, Arrested Development uh, music video for the Malcolm X movie. Um, Revolution is the song, and um, yeah, that's about as close as I, <laughs> that's about as close as I got to fulfilling that dream, um, and and that was not really a great experience because I, again, it, I didn't care about like just having FaceTime. I was thinking like, hey, I really am talented, mm-hmm. and I I want you to see what I can do but it was really more about like who can you elbow out of the way in order to get your face on the camera. And I kind of hated it, and it was very much not what I was uh, looking for or expecting.
0: Who are you in the music video? I'm curious. Oh, no, I, I don't have, like, oh, you like, I have an actual title or role. IMDb. I'm just an extra.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just an extra standing behind my girlfriend at the time who was very much about elbowing people like getting her face in the camera. So, yeah, there yeah. might be 2.3 seconds of me an eyebrow or something like that. You
0: know, it's funny. You're definitely not the first person I've had here who has talked about that. Like going to New York, you go there and you live the dream, but then you quickly realize you're one of 10 million people. that are trying to get the exact same thing. And pretty much everyone I've had here who has said that they went to New York, they always end up coming back because it just wasn't, the, the experience that they were hoping for, and it left a bad impression on them. So that sounds like I'm sorry to continue this theme. Um, no, but it's true that that happens all the time. Yeah, doesn't I it? mean, well, I think, but I mean, it's a tough city. But
1: I also think it's different if you have an actual strategy, a plan, a, a vision, and you know, a, a measurable intention. I had none of that, and so I literally just had the dream and what I thought was the talent, but no plan. I had mm. zero plan and I had nobody to say, hey, you need to have a strategy for this in order to make this uh, achievable. Mm. I, I literally was just thinking that like, there's a scripture, you know, your gift will make room for itself. I really thought that being talented, somebody would see it, it would be recognized, it would be noticed. And then, you know, God would open the door and, you know, order my steps, therefore, and after that, and it would just, but I had no discernible plan or strategy for how I was going to
0: happen. It's so interesting because that's very similar to what I went through. I mean, I, did, I never went to New York, but I kind of felt the same way as you because I felt what? Like, well, I, I'm talented. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure something's going to happen. And after I graduated college, I was doing okay for like two years. I was doing like a lot of plays. I got to do shows at Actors Playhouse, which is mm-hmm. big here in Miami. Yeah. You know, it was in the Children's Theater, but I still counted it. Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden I stopped getting callbacks and it got to a point where I was like, well, I, I guess I need to get a regular job. And, you know, now I work at a bank. You know, so what does that tell you? Um, what about you, Alex? What plans did you have for yourself? You mentioned that you got your MBA. Is that kind of the, traje- the trajectory that you thought you were going to have for your life? Yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to be,
2: g- g- growing up from high up until college, honestly, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And then I saw You want to
1: do biology or marines?
2: Uh, no, I wanted to be like studying about the ocean and stuff like that. Okay. The life the marine life in the ocean. Thank you. Yeah. You know what's
0: funny? Erica actually has a my wife has a really big interest in marine biology. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I
2: love I like I love I love the ocean. I love um, the animals in the ocean. I wanna go shark in the shark cage. Yeah. Eventually,
0: yes, yeah. yes. Um, I, I tell know, you, man. my wife's favorite time of year is Shark Week. Shark Week. Yes. She gets so, so excited oh, about it. Amazing. The sharks get
1: excited too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> the whales,
2: the killer whales too. Yeah, yeah. that's another story. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to be. And then I shout out to Tilikum. And then um, <laughs> shout out to <laughs> Tilikum. Okay, the one that died. <laughs> <like> the, <laughs>
1: Did he, I thought he, he was a rampage. Can we shout out
2: Lolita, maybe? Ooh, okay. Just Miami throw reference. Throw back. Thank, you. Back. Thank
1: you. Tilikum wasn't in Miami?
2: No. Oh, okay. That's World. Right, right. Yeah. Not Seaquarium. Right. Okay. Um, anyways. Yeah, we we're talking about what happened to Flipper. Um. Yeah, then I had to see what happened. What did, what did a biologist have to understand and and I wasn't good at science so (laughs) yeah I failed biology I failed physical science so it was like all right so then I transferred into like business economics Hmm. and I went to Florida A&M for college and I wanted to get into their business school but I didn't do good on my SATs so to get into business I couldn't my I think my GPA was like a 3.0 or 2.9 and I couldn't so I didn't qualify for the business school because of my SAT scores. So they had another program called, um, which is in the College of Arts and Sciences, called Economics, where I could take an economics class and minor in business. And then, you know, they set out these career paths for you. you will be a manager, run your own business, hmm. stuff like that. and So I was still searching, and eventually I found a career in retail. Hmm. Um, so I... You know, I, I started working at JCPenney, and, you know, that I thought I was going to be there for whatever, 35 years, you know, and, and retire and then go bowling, right? <laughs> Have a bowling league, uh, be part of a bowling league. But yeah, it just didn't pan out that way, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, inter- improv, I think,
1: interrupted that. Sometimes. Oh yeah, improv definitely
2: interrupted yeah. that, and it gave me a kick in the butt, and mm-hmm. yeah. It gave me, it just gave me a perspective, like you can, the job is, your job is not what defines you, or what you, your work is not what defines you, you know. We grow up with that mindset, like, you know, I want to be a banker, or an accountant, or a lawyer, like, and this is what, this is who I am, you know, and that, that's just what you do, it doesn't define you, you You are know? not
1: your khakis.
2: Right, so, um... So, yeah, it just definitely gave me a perspective with improv that, you know, at my age, I can try to do anything mm-hmm. and be successful at it. So, and happy. And happy, yeah. Huh. So now I'm a teacher. So, oh, well, yeah. I okay. love that. Yeah. <laughs> you're, a, you're a
0: substitute no, teacher.
2: No, I'm a teacher oh, now. You're, you're now a teacher. I'm a teacher now, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh. cert- I'm a certified business education teacher.
0: Cool. What grade level do you teach? Middle school. So you teach business to middle school kids. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, them kids
0: sure. bring the business. <laughs> I,
2: I taught math last year. Um, and then, yeah, this year I'm going to be teaching them business education. Mm, okay. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting.
0: I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Yeah, middle
2: school. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to middle school kids. But you guys are tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you shared with us uh, <laughs> what got you interested in improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, how did you discover improv? Um,
3: hmm.
1: I, don't, I know what the journey was that got me to improv. I'm trying to think of how did it end up being actual improv. Um, like I said, I missed performing. I missed standing in what I thought was my gift uh, being on stage Or public speaking, acting. I definitely once I developed a love and a facility for acting, I definitely knew that that was something that I I loved and was passionate about. I still ideally wanted to be a filmmaker to direct, but I still always loved acting. Um, And so I was I was looking for community and an opportunity to perform. But I do not remember how that morphed um, or evolved into improv specifically. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm not sure. I just know I ended up on Meetup and somehow finding Cutler Bay Community Theater. I'm not sure why that stood out of you know all the possible improv things or places or what have you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to do some soul searching. I, I don't. I don't remember why improv specifically, as opposed to like just an acting class or mm. something like that. I think probably maybe because I was looking for something free. <laughs> I think okay that might have had something <laughs> to do with it. <laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, but uh, it's, it's int- I haven't I haven't uh yeah, I ha- I haven't thought about that. I I, I don't remember mm-hmm. if there was something specifically that made it improv. So that was definitely the gateway in. So once I was at Cutler Bay Community Theater, then, you know, anything and everything after that improv um that became available, it opened up that it opened the door to that world. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, then you just kind of go down the different paths as they become available. Um, The pandemic was very helpful as well in being able to broaden and blow up um, the possibilities of improv um, and utilizing it for everything, for self-expression, for mental health, for... Mm -hmm. you know again grounding and community et cetera, et cetera. but yeah that's interesting i'm gonna have to do some praying and some soul searching and meditation to figure out well
0: what was it about improv that really appealed to you do you remember that what was it that when you when it, however you found it mm-hmm. do you remember what it was that made you go there's something special here for me uh improv was was very unique and i have to say uh i can't shout
1: out cutler bay community theater enough because one of the things wasn't so much even just the improv that particular group of marvelous human beings um were so genuine it was one of the rarest places that i i've rarely seen a group that is just like you know if you have an event everybody can come to it it's not like oh well you know rochelle gonna be here so that means tiana can't come and it's just Everybody was so down for everybody. If somebody had a birthday party, everybody came. Everybody celebrated. They got a chat that is still going right now on WhatsApp. That chat runs twenty four seven. That chat does not <laughs> sleep. It does not sleep, and it just—it's an organism that just keeps morphing and growing as they, you know, absorb more people into. It's wild, but they just seemingly just good people and really genuine I, I remember i had been there not very long and my birthday was coming up and i was like you know what i'd love to take a road trip and like five or six people were like yeah cool let's do that and we were on the road to, to do a road trip for my birthday mm-hmm. with people i had known you know a, a month or so, however long it was i remember even being concerned like I don't i'm always concerned about somebody stealing my my pancreas or my kidneys and i'm just like i just don't know but it was also part of where i was at that time of trying to step out there take chances and um you know you know take some risks or what have you but have adventures um but they're just they were remarkable people and that translated into the play as well it was it was a safe space you could experiment. Um, you, you were accepted. You, you, nothing you did was wrong per se. Obviously, nothing gross, was it, But I'm saying, but you know, the improv, the improv ethos, excuse me, is so uniquely embracing and f- forgiving, and it, it boy it boys you up and encourages you in a way and builds you up in a way that was just. Very, very unique, while, at the same time, giving you this platform within which to create,
0: cultivate, grow, explore, and and hone your gift. Mm -hmm. So you were immediately accepted once you got into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I find that, you know, because I also teach, and Alex, you teach as well, I think that's what keeps a lot of our students connected together, because not only do they love doing something that, they, that they've never done before, but I, they also love that sense of community that quickly happens mm. when you're in it. And, and I, that's what—that's one of the reasons why I love this so much as well.
1: Community.
0: Yeah, all about the community. Um, Alex, when you discovered improv and you started coming here, what was it about it that made you feel like, this is for me?
2: <sighs> Fun. Chicks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Forgive me. <laughs> the hot
0: chicks. Oh my god. Uh, you <laughs> laugh, but I know there's some people there are some people out there Let's who you <laughs> have that motivation. Yeah. Thank <laughs> goodness none of them are in this room. Right. We're, we're, we're not condoning it, of course. We can either affirm nor oh. deny. Right, right.
2: Um it was fun it was yeah just um, it was therapeutic I could come here and um, oh, man. just be able to express myself I and mean, it was open like you know like I don't, you know like I don't have to pay every time I have to I, I want to come here I could just and as a student you come and watch the shows and like and I just just to get the opportunity to laugh you know like I don't You know, and it's going to be different every single time. Mm. You know, you may have different, you may have the same piece, you know, week to week, but you're going to have different players, different perspectives, different inspirations, different, you know, um, you know, just a different way to look at it. And it, uh, and it's so, for me, it's, it's very free, um, you know, like faith, I guess like failing, like, um or not having a good scene, but I got the opportunity to come back the next week and and do better. I learned, you know, so, um, and I'm not getting yelled at, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, you know, for not having my shirt, the shirt, the recovery was bad in the store and, you know, hearing that and sitting in the office talking about, you know, why, you know, why are you not getting merchandise out and, all this other bull crap that <gasps> really, in the scheme of things, doesn't make, you know, who cares, you know? So I come here like it's. I could yell at, I could yell at, you know, I could yell at LD on stage for not having the shirt folded, but it's not like. And you have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, <laughs> those shirts are still not. <laughs> You know, but and it's just and it's just a scene, you know. Yeah. And it's I can express that, and I can get that off my chest, and yeah, and it's fun. Like just I don't know. I, it just it's just for me, it's very freeing, and and being able to my perspective on stage is how I view how I view an apple, and what comes from that inspiration. It's okay. It's good, mm-hmm. you know. Just because you view apple as a fruit, I may view it as you know, like a, you know, a pie. You know what I'm saying? Just the the different perspectives, and both of them are or okay. Very
0: sexy mollusk.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or sexy worm. Right.
0: Right, and, and neither of those perspectives are wrong.
2: Exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: Especially the sexy
2: one. Um, <laughs> you know, that's it, uh, it was very inspirational for me. But you needed it at the time, too. I do you need yeah. kn- it. I still know, but, need it. Well, well for damn sure. <laughs> but yeah. I'm saying at the
1: time, you particularly, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me, but you, you were kind of searching yeah. and feeling sort of out of place and not necessarily happy. And you had a place that was allowing you to... The kind of cure that very you know what I'm saying, that kinda of answered that longing, gave you belonging mm-hmm. and gave you a a a, a hollow deck where you could just come and all that other part of my language, BS,
2: mm-hmm. as you said earlier. Yeah. Um,
1: didn't really matter. It was like kind of what you needed.
2: I did, yeah. Yeah, it definitely yeah. Again, I was at the job I, you know, I was just getting beat down a lot, you know, and just You know, just a a blow to your ego and like, you're not good enough. And we're going to keep showing you you're not good enough. You know, and this is why you stand, this is why you're still at this store, this is why you're still in this position, because you're not good enough. I'm so glad you burned that place. Oh, I'm sorry, are we still recording? (laughs) Um, The
1: other thing, did you try any of the
2: other pseudo- improv places
1: and stuff before you landed at JTF like, no did you have any other no oh no other basis uh-uh. of comparison no uh-uh.
2: JTF was cheaper than I think it was <coughs> no, yeah I think it was cheaper than Villain and it was like okay and then they had I think the classes were like the next week or something like that mm-hmm. and then I think the other place was all the way up in in West Palm Beach or Broward County right. I was like I'm not driving up there and I'm not, I don't even know what this is, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I don't even this? know what yeah. am I signing up for, like, so it's just very cautious and, you know, like, saw the website, looked at it, and I was like, okay, it's legit, and it's close to, all right, it's 30 minutes from the house,
0: all right, let me check it out and see, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's been it ever yeah, since, Yeah. Like. I don't know if you remember this, but there's a scene that you and I had. We were doing ten scenes one night. Mm -hmm. This may have been maybe last year or something like that, but I still remember it. And it was with you and I, and we didn't say any words, but we were just rolling around on the floor and making all these weird noises. And that scene ended with us finishing rolling around and making noises, and I just go, One... And then we restarted the whole process again of rolling around the floor and making the weird noises as if, okay, this is our exercise routine that we have to do. Okay. Do you remember this? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I I bring that up because what I love from both of you really is I can do anything with you guys. We can create any weird madness, (laughs) but whatever this weird thing is, we just double down on it so mm-hmm. hard, and we just embrace it so much. Yeah, would that be uh, how you guys normally approach improv? Just here's something, and let's just double down on it, whatever it is. It's practice it takes
2: practice, because um, you have to be confident in that in in that in, in that character or whatever that thing is. And you know, when you first start doing improv, like. You're always checking in, like, is this the right thing to do? And, you know, I think you said you know, checking in with yourself. Like why are you like why are you trying to get approval from yourself? Yourself is not gonna approve it. You know what I right. mean? Like so so stop doing that. Just just trust trust the process. Trust your and trust whatever you're creating, just commit to it. So for me it it took it takes reps. It takes yeah. steps and to uh, to do it but now yeah I I you've taught me you know um just like stay, just like you said double down be a hundred percent committed like and don't ever drop that commitment like yeah because that you know that shows you lack confidence yeah right you have to be confident up on that stage
1: or well, at least portray confidence yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I feel like you and I, our playing styles are—we're we're double downers. Like this, just I feel like it's kind of innate. Even that first time that we played, yeah, I feel like we we played bold and big, and that's one of the things about us playing together is we're going to double down and we're going to push each other to quadruple down and so forth and so on. Um, uh, it's funny because I almost feel like I was. I was bolder when I first started improv. Mm. I was coming from a theater perspective where I had tremendous, what I call performance ego. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I could do this. I got this. And the more I did it, the less confident I became because really? then, I, yes. Cause I started watching other people mm. doing things that I thought were exceptional that by comparison, like I was not excelling at. So, you know, if it's, dramatic or you know there's certain things I know what my strengths are I'm I'm not worried about it but the things where I feel like I am less um less uh astute with um and I'm watching other people who just seem to just effortlessly excel at these things then it starts to make me really question um my capabilities so I actually feel I got less confident Mm. um the more I did it um yeah that's
0: Interesting. I had the pleasure, David, of actually having you as a student for Mm -hmm. the Level 3 class. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, our Level 3, and I don't want to give too much away about how our classes work, but here at JTF, our Level 3 class is when we start to incorporate more emotional connections into our scene work. And for me, it felt like when I had you in that class, and that was the first time I had you as a student, I think, and it felt like that's what really opened up a lot for you would you agree oh no absolutely I had a breakthrough in that
1: class <laughs> yeah I had a breakthrough in that class because up until that point again it's all it's, it's improv techniques and things and specificity and again this whole CVS laundry list that I could think of of stuff that I want to get better at and Alex shakes his head right now um <laughs> these are not things necessary for a effective scene but they're things that I want to be able to add to my repertoire to be better to improve so anyway when we did that it took me back to my first love of theater, which was I emote exceptionally well. Yes, I can be did. dramatic exceptionally mm-hmm. well. But improv rarely gave me an opportunity to do that. And I think I had gotten just really, you know, mutilated in the briar patch of trying to do all these other things that I wasn't necessarily good at. And, 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 and again, losing confidence. But then in that class, it was like, wait a minute. Oh, oh this is a platform where I can actually be dramatic and it's not only um acceptable but it's encouraged and I was able to tap back into my strength and my first love and literally resurrect and reawaken Mm -hmm. that part of 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 my performance it it was really uh, truly a um, an epiphany and a, a turning point for sure it was Oh, my God. And even now, I said, I said to Alex Reese like, I love deconstruction. Because deconstruction gives you an opportunity to really play strong dramatics in a way that we typically just don't get to. I mean, again, you can always bring it into anything. So, there's no yeah. rules against it. But it's just it rarely, it rarely plays that way. Um, but, oh, man. Yeah, that class. I, I had a true break, breakthrough in your class. Yeah, so I saw it. I
0: saw it. Yeah. Nice. So, what happened that made david and alex become cousins i'll step out
1: and I'll <laughs> Alex tell this story uh, in my absentia why are you leaving <laughs> i know you know what's so funny did i say at the beginning like you know what there's no chance we're gonna of talk about <laughs> gonna. <laughs> there's no chance we're gonna talk about anything that's gonna be like well no, let's not talk about that but here we are um yeah.
0: Go. I, 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 I'll. I'll
1: Go. What was the question again?
0: <laughs> How oh, did God. cousins happen? How was that born?
1: So I don't think it was too long after Alex and I both surprised one another by showing up the Cutler Bay Community Theater. Sometime shortly thereafter, <laughs> uh, I guess there was a, I guess a casting call. I must Facebook think? post. A Facebook post for um, improvisers of color, I think specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um because there was a improv group troop, uh, super team, Avengers-like whatever formulating and trying to you know gain the rest of the mutants. And um, I was already affiliated with the inception of that um, and it was called Black Improv Alliance. Mm-hmm. And Alex came out to that and it was like, oh, hey, cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now we've already established you know, some uh, some reconnection of cars through the improv. So having him just show up was just like, oh, please, yes, be here, do this, be a part of this. Um, and right, no, no, I, I had kind of forgot the original question, and now I'm back.
2: How do we get together? Yeah,
1: well, how the cousins? Yeah, right, right, right. So um, the 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 leader and founder of Black Improv Alliance had the concept and actually created. Um, the the form for cousins yes,
2: Stephanie right yeah mm-hmm. yeah she so um, yeah so you know it was like four of us that eventually kind of became the became core black improv yeah, the core black self. improv mm-hmm. alliance mm-hmm. and um, and the, so we all wanted to do like break off and do different pieces like we had the four of us that we did the form called the Tyrone mm-hmm. and then um, Stephanie and Daryl uh, Patrice had their own thing. So it was like, okay, me and David need something since we're cousins let's do cousins, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean and she and she she was brilliant at developing, creating conceiving you know having had been in you know improv for i think over a decade by that time Mm -hmm. i think um but also just had a a natural genius for being able to create forms and also kind of having an idea of what is out there what's not out there so that you can have something fresh and new and so yeah yeah. that
2: was the thing yeah we were looking for something and i'm i was still i'm still a baby to improv so i don't know what's out there versus he was driven so um thank you um (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but yeah so she already had a form and had an idea and a concept and then we kind of workshopped it all together yeah and we're able to fine tune it into what it is but it was certainly her brain
0: her brain child for sure yeah i've seen your show a couple of times and it's always so exceptionally good and it's also a very simple concept it's a simple concept of What's your situation? Okay, here's what we would do. Right, exactly,
3: yes. (laughs) And
0: you've been able to take this out on the road. You've played this at various festivals across the country. What has the experience been like for you two to perform this in different areas and for different groups of people? Well,
1: I'm thinking... Most of the time, as improvisers, we're playing for improvisers. Mm-hmm. that's almost like a you know playing with a safety net, a bulletproof vest, a helmet, cushions, a styrofoam floor i mean it's it's a very safe space to perform in, and I'm thankful for it, and it's a privilege to be able to do it radically different than taking it outside of the safety of the improv womb into the real world where people don't know what the hell you're doing or have no real preparation for what you're doing. It's a totally different experience. Yeah. We have had the experience of performing yes. for a non-improv crowd. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't, you know what I mean, I almost feel like to talk about the improv part of it is great, but the challenge to me uh, more so is trying to take it outside
2: to the uninitiated. Right. Right. Because, yeah, you don't think about... I mean, even though we're all improvisers at heart because we improvise conversations that we have with people on a daily basis, but also just being in that improv community... I write mine in advance. Excuse me? My everyday conversations? Yes. Copiously, I write them in
1: copious random and yes, for every possible iteration that could possibly come I, up whatever
2: <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah the the experience has been amazing because we've had the opportunity we've been to minnesota uh we've been oh, to, we killed it we killed it in minnesota oh been to orlando tampa i've we, been to we, rhode, we rhode island killed it in orlando yeah, yeah. um
0: We've also killed it here, too. Yeah, we killed it at JTF. Yes, Miami Improv Festival. Two times. Twice. Two times. Yes. In that spotlight. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because
2: they thought right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, David, you know, like, performing for people that are are not familiar with improv, like, we learn it. Like, we have to to read the room and adjust your form. Because, you know, part of the thing with our form is, like, we don't want to be right on the head with the suggestion. So if like you're, you know, you have trouble cooking food, right? Our whatever our scene is gonna be, it has nothing to do with you cooking food, it right? Right. Right. But it's our, just an inspiration. It's just, a, but well, but the goal. I, go ahead.
1: I, no, I was gonna say, but but I hate to say we don't want to say too much because then we give nah, you all, who, all the magic. Who cares? You don't tell how you do your magic tricks on your magic show, right? Of course not. There you go. So yeah, I will say that. For us specifically, even more so than the average form, it's
2: important that we don't hit it on the head. I'll say that. Right. But sometimes you have to. That's about reading the room, right? Right. And making sure that, you know, your audience understands what's happening. Because if not, you're going to feel like... This was a terrible show. Yeah. And like, okay, my friends will never ask me to do
0: nothing ever again
2: for this. Yeah, boy, I
0: suggested bus stop, and they were never waiting for a bus. What kind of show is this? That's the same question I got.
2: (laughs) The most, the most recent show we did. (laughs) This lady, the suggestion was about how do you deal with somebody that you want to fight, like, and they keep trying you or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. and I started out doing, I'm just running around the, the stage, you know, in a circle, and, you know. So whatever happened with that scene, the lady after the show is like, what did that have to do with what she <laughs> said? I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> nothing. It's just- but, but also, I mean, what? it also
1: could reflect on the fact that if we're, not, if, we, when we're if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, eventually there should be an aha moment should be oh yeah so i do think in that particular show we, it was we we didn't have a great show right so i think it's justifiable that there was no aha moment
2: mhm so
1: you know that that part kind of reflects on on
2: us but we still you know i yeah i agree but also you know we got to read read the room and right. you know like what are Again, we're expecting the people from outside of imp- the mm-hmm. improv community to come in here and
0: understand what we do. Right, because we're of that world. But then yes. when you take it out of the world, Oof, yes. there's always that fear of, are they gonna jump on this train with me? Exactly. Yeah.
2: And how do we buy the? How do we get them to uh, be bought in, connected, yeah. and
0: engaged? Yeah. To- so for the non-improv audiences that you perform for. Has it been positively received, or do you still kind of get people scratch their heads and going, "What the hell is this"? Um, the last
2: time, I would, uh, my my own reference is from the last show that we did. Not Head reference. scratchers, not okay. Head scratchers, <laughs> not, not, not a good reference. Now I have a I have had a couple of friends that have come out to, especially a countdown, and in Minnesota and like. Uh, Michael, one one of our cousins in, in particular, you know, he came out and watched and it's like, now how y'all going, Yeah, he's standing back, now how they going to connect those two things? And then he had an aha, said, oh, I see what y'all are doing. Yeah. Okay, I see how y'all, you know, I see how y'all connected, but how many, like, are we going to have that room full of 50 or 100 people that are going to do the same thing?
1: Well, I mean, we had the retirement thing that we did for a friend of mine. Right. That went exceptionally well. Yeah. Um. And I feel like there was oh, it, the church thing with the kids. Yeah. Right. That went well. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. We've been playing around with this idea of doing like they have these competitions and stuff here in Florida, or it's almost like um, Showtime at the Apollo, mm-hmm. and almost just as a as a challenge to ourselves to to attempt it to see how it's received. Will it be understood? You know what I mean? So we'll we'll see how that goes.
2: Yeah, we gotta keep testing the water, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, well, I'm gonna speak for me. I have a fear of that. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, this is our bread and like this is what we, we we put our stamp on. This is our thing. Brand. This is our brand. This is you know. So like, I don't want to have those second thoughts. Like maybe we need to change something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Because we weren't accepted for a five minute set and you know we, because <sighs> they didn't get what we were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so overcoming that, um and when improvs you're gonna win and you're gonna lose an improv. Like you're gonna have failure, you know, but you get the opportunity another chance to do it again. So, you know, not worrying about that. So overcoming
0: overcoming that fear is yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the audience is always gonna be the big X factor. Because that's the only part of the show that you never have any control over, even if it, even in a room full of improvisers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even though they get it more, it's still the X factor. Right. It's the only part that you have no control over, and you know what I feel, and I apply this to my performance: is you may not understand what I'm doing, but at least you're entertained by it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you go to an art museum and you see like a Picasso or some sort of weird sculpture. You may not understand what the heck is going on there, but it hits you. It resonates with you somehow. I think there's a lot that's like that. I think there's a lot of music that's like that, especially Mm -hmm. nowadays, where you may not get it, but it still strikes a chord with you. Right. Right. Yeah. But
1: see, that's... My thing is, you know know what you like. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the very most base level you know when you look at that weird abstract sculpture you know when you hear Mongolian throat music you know whether oh i like that or i don't just just that part Mm -hmm. alone you have that much you know anybody does you don't have to you know um be intimately acquainted with all of the you know, uh, I don't know that whatever the, the the machinations are of a thing or whatever to, to you know to to have the visceral experience of what I'm seeing, how do I feel about it?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I I sometimes am kind of taken aback if a person doesn't at least have that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a play recently, and um, a, a play called Black Like Heat a mixtape, and you know it covers a myriad of the black male experience from, you know, sexual abuse to uh, toxic masculinity um, to identity to friendship. You know, it covers a whole lot of things. It's very powerful, very potent. Creates an atmosphere uh, that that men, black men specifically, but men in general don't typically have to be able to be vulnerable with one another. Um, And so after the show, there was a whole front row of, of teenagers. Like, I would assume maybe 14 to... 17 or what have you and I remember asking them specifically um, you know I said we got this wonderful dais of these young Nubian kings um, you know do you have any commentary on the show of anything that resonated for you specifically or anything that you know you know any a takeaway anything did you like it did you not like it? whatever and got absolute silence just silence and I, I I didn't expect that. I would have expected even a goofy answer, even a throwaway answer, even a snide, anything. But to get absolutely nothing was 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 stunning to me. And other, than if the cast members was like, "Yeah, when I was that age, I would have did the same thing. I would have sat there. I would have just been silent. I wouldn't have known how to process it. Mm. I wouldn't have had an answer or a response." Mm. But I'm like, that's so foreign from my my upbringing because, you know, again, being in magnet schools. You have to stand up and be able to articulate what you're doing as an artist and explain to us that Picasso or, you know, that 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 um, that 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 blow up inflatable toilet, whatever it is. You got to be able to stand up and articulate it. So we were trained to be able to speak and articulate. But I don't know, it, it blows me away. That blows me away as well as not giving people commentary after a show that you liked or loved because I find that people don't seem to be particularly expressive. Alex and I talk about this a, a lot, because um, it, it's, it's, it's important. I feel like you give what you want, and so it's very important to me to, to let a person know if they've done something outstanding to really give it to them, and, and, and if possible, give them as much detail and information as I can, because I find that valuable. Yeah. But the kind of people that watch something like,
3: yeah, it's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, like, thank you yeah. But yeah, so I don't know, I'm yeah. rambling yeah. What we've definitely seen In the past couple of years Is improv becoming a lot more Inclusive than it's ever been before And now we see A lot more black performers oh. In improv, and we see a lot more Hispanic performers We see a lot more um, gay, trans performers Do you two feel like Through Cousins and maybe in all the other performances that you've done, you've been able to help give more black people that voice and say, hey, guys, this is for us, too. I think if I can
1: quote Wayne Brady, who said, um, aside from Whose Line Is It Anyway, he cites Cousins as his primary motivation um, and inspiration for what he aspires to as an improviser. Yes,
0: he told me that.
1: So that, that I think, speaks for itself and it speaks volumes that will continue to, I think, um, you know, reverberate throughout history.
0: Yeah, he told me that after a very expensive sushi dinner that we had. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> paid? Uh, paid? He had his people pay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's different than Apple pay.
2: <laughs> yeah, his people pay. Um, I don't. It's tough because, you know, they see us, but it's. It's hard to consistently, you know, get the audience out here. Or, you know, or they may the come BIPOC out.
1: The BIPOC audience to me and the...
2: They may come out, right? I might invite them to a show or... And then, you know, the feedback. Yeah, that's not for me.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't like improv like that. Hmm. So it's just like, oh, all right. Um so yeah, just trying to you know, especially in in Miami, you know, um, you know, I invite some people, you know, they love the show, but they want to get up there and do it. No, mm-hmm. they wouldn't. You know, they wouldn't want to. They wouldn't want to do it. They say, "I'm oh, I'm not funny," or "I can't speak in public like that," or you know, a myriad of excuses. You know, but um, I mean, we're trying. We're trying, you know, and. That's one thing that, you know, David and I, um, you know, that's why we want to travel and, and, and do these shows so that, you know, you know, they see a representation of us out there, but, uh yeah, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's hard. That was
1: one of the fundamental tenets of BIA.
2: Yeah. Was specifically to
1: galvanize, you know, uh, performers of color, um, of all, uh, Representations, mm-hmm. um, and I—I I guess I wouldn't know, but I—I I still perceive that it still feels very niche for people of of color. I mean, it's definitely gotten a lot bigger for inclusivity, um, you know, for 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 alt and everything else, but. Um, and even just improv is still a strange animal. It's still not mainstream. Because it's, closest not, it's, it's ever hard to monetize to, it. Well, the, the closest it's ever gotten to being mainstream was Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know what I mean? Probably one of the most famous and recognizable people in improv is Wayne Brady.
2: Mm-hmm. And even
1: still, he's a household name maybe from Whose Line Is It Anyway? But even then, you know, as talented as he is, he's still not necessarily in conversations with other you know, African-American performers who who sang dance, you know what the case may be? So it's, it's still this weird, it's still a weird underground hip-hop kind of thing that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know who's gonna break that ceiling or, or make it, like I said, monetized in a way that it can be uh, commodified to the point that it's, I don't know, that it's digestible and palatable to the masses in a way that makes it a legitimate mainstream, um, you know, performance genre. I, it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's what we were talking about, but that's what I was just thinking yeah well,
0: <laughs> well, what do you think, if you had the Black people come out and support improv. <laughs> right, well, what do you think is the way to make it uh, mainstream, especially for uh, BIPOC audiences? Like, if you had to come up with, brainstorm an idea of how to make it available to the masses, what would you say those ideas would be? Boy, we should have got that in advance.
1: Because honestly, I almost feel like, Ooh. I would have never thought I'd be giving this reference, but I almost feel like when I watch Nick Cannon's Wildin' Out, mm. it is the perfect vehicle for making improv uh, palatable as one hip, cool, modern, fun, um, something that can travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you got stars and celebrities. You integrate hip hop artists into like it is the perfect vehicle by which to bring it to the masses and say hey we're here look at how cool this is eat it up I, I don't know how many seasons Wild and Out has already been out. 20 I mean, so I don't know that it's
2: I mean yeah they do improv yeah
1: yeah um, it's all
2: improv
0: yeah
1: right so I don't know how much of a hole it's punched in the, in the universe too. yeah well
0: I think people who watch Wild and Out may not realize that it's improv yeah yeah,
1: so I mean that may be part of it, but I mean, but they—I'm sure that they reiterate. I—I I, I don't even watch. It. I mean, I—I've I've only seen snippets here and there. so... What? Oh my God, Nick! <laughs> he's never gonna have a son. Um, <laughs> he's so just yeah. ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's a challenge. If he stopped making babies long enough, he could get cousins on it. Um, <laughs> he could make some more cousins. Um, so yeah, I don't. But I'm saying I don't with with it being Nick Cannon. And again, with stars and so on and so on, I don't know how much you know it's 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 punched a hole for making it again mainstream i, I don't know it still feels like you'd have to be a person who's into improv into you know Theater spontaneous performance active. right mm-hmm. but even still you know I, I it still feels like it's a a niche audience who's gonna you know i, I I'm not sure what's the suggestion for because again you want to get a celebrity endorsement i think that would be critical um and you'd have to have some something that takes off either like i don't know like with the success of hamilton if hamilton had been an improvised musical um and then of course they started classes and the schools and the tours and all this other kind of stuff then maybe that would have created this this movement Towards you know improv to the world or
0: something like that. Yeah. So it sounds uh, like more exposure is part of the answer. I think yeah, I think so.
2: And like you know with improv, right? We it could be a good show or a bad show.
1: Right, it's a
2: good show. True, but but it could also but with horrific. Like but with Hamilton consistently, you know what you're getting. It's a guaranteed product. Like yeah, it's yeah, guaranteed. I'm sorry, where improv is is not because it's. It's spontaneous. We're coming up with this stuff off the top of our head, and we may not—I may not connect with you in the audience. You know, Mm -hmm. I may connect with one person out of the the one hundred. So, like, who's gonna who's gonna leave that review saying, you know, like this was amazing? You know what I mean, like, or not the one hundred or that one person? But just
1: like saying we have to promise a guaranteed reliability. But I mean, still, even if you go to Hamilton, some people aren't gonna like Hamilton. And even with Hamilton, some shows are going to be better than others. And some are going to want to see it with David Diggs. And somebody's going to want to see it with... Some, I mean, even a, movies. Movies aren't guaranteed to be good. Right. You know what I mean? Anytime, it's always a gamble. But right. it did not change it from being a mainstream, you know, industry. So, it's still... It's not just that. That's important. Mm-hmm. But it's not a deterrent in and of itself. Because anything's like that. A new album could be like... We don't know if it's going to... Now, granted, the flip side of that is... A movie can be popular and not be good, and can make billions of dollars. That's true. Improv, yeah. I don't think has that going right. for it. That it could not be good. Improv, you cannot not be good. Right. And even when you are good, there's still no guarantee that you're going to get the type of support, um, and, and rallying cry to to make it again. Make sure it's it's such a it's such a peculiar little thing,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And mm. you know, I think it's going to be up to LD to actually. Um, You know, herald the cry and hold a flag like Denzel Washington did in Glory and keep that banner up and finally punch through to the other side like Jim Morrison tried to tell us many years ago.
2: Okay. Yeah, I
1: think L.D., much like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, is the future of improv hop.
0: Of what? (laughs) Improv (laughs) hop? What are you talking about? Uh, is this like a sock hop? What
1: what is this?
3: <laughs>
1: That's so funny because earlier today I don't remember what the context was, but it was getting grease from um, John Travolta.
0: You were getting grease from John Travolta.
1: That was the somehow that was the topic of the conversation about getting grease from ta- John Travolta. But anyway, you said sock hop, so it made me think about okay. where were black people during? The, I mean, like when, in Greece, like there's no black people there. So I always feel like where's that other side of Community. Maybe they where, were in the Alabama. I don't they they might have been. Well, <laughs> Chris is in Alabama for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I'm saying so. Sock hop makes
0: me think, oh, but I, I know they're
1: hopping somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were somewhere dancing. But yeah, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. somewhere. Just not at right High.
0: Yeah. So, as you guys look back and think about oh my your personal stories and what you've been through and what you've accomplished and where you are now, oh what reflections do you two have? On your journeys and just how you are the guys that you are now, Mm. as people as improvisers, and two different all of it, all of it. You said accomplishments. Well, yeah, you've accomplished a lot. Yeah, I feel like every performance is an accomplishment. Oh, Oh, that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's at least how I see it. Yeah, that's nice. The fact that you did it, maybe the audience liked it, maybe it didn't. Like like we talked about, but you still did it, right? Yeah. Mm. I was
2: like, "What? What?
0: What was that?" What reflections in general do do you guys have? And you can speak individually or for the two of you. These are my
3: reflections.
0: Um, For me, I would say,
2: you know, God gives us the opportunity to to change, to transform. Um, you know, and how we grew up, the things that we experienced throughout life, um, you know, the opportunity to change and transform, you know, and not, you know, um, you know, there's a scripture, uh, Romans 12, 2, of not conform, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, it's something that's been really speaking to me lately because, you know the world teaches us like if you change like you're not real you know you're fake and you know like you can't be trusted but no like these experiences change us you know they change who we are or they change our perspective on life and you know it's good that your perspective can change you know um, um, yeah and I just think that's a that's just a, a beautiful opportunity like improv has changed my perspective you know if I would have never taken improv classes uh still be at JC Penny, I'll still probably just be going through these ups and downs and you know but not recognizing hey maybe you need therapy you know you need you need an outlet you need um you need encouragement you know um you know this pursuit of happiness, you know? So, um, it's given me a lot of perspective and, and just being more per- purposeful about the things that I want and, you know, what I want for my family, mm-hmm. you know, and being a better performer, being a better father, um, you know, just being a better father than how I grew up, you know, like that's something that's been, that's changed me. Cause like, I want to be around for my daughter. I don't want to, you know, like, you know, friends tell me, hey, you could go to Atlanta or you go to this place or that place. You can make more money, be a store manager here or there. I was like, no, because, you know, me and my daughter's mother aren't together. So that's going to take me away from my daughter. Yeah, the money will be there, but the time won't, you know. So for me, that time, spending that time with your, your loved ones is is more valuable than that, that monetary stuff, you know? Yeah, time um, is the
0: only thing you can't buy.
2: Right, and that, again, that's changed my perspective because I've grown, you know, 20-year-old, like, I want to make six figures. I want this million dollars. I want, I want this, like, I don't... It helps, right? <laughs> it helps if you have a, a million dollars, but it's like, like the time that you invested in that like take it's coming away from your family and Mm -hmm. like you only have memories to to build like those are those important things so um i just for me i love the experience and and going through the ups and downs of improv and and performing um you know it makes you stronger you know it makes you it makes me stronger and i just i love it even you know even though I get, <laughs> I overthink things and get worried about the performance aspect of it. I still, I still love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: The Bible of improv, according to the Gospel of the Matrix, uh, piggybacking on what you were saying, free your mind, be transformed by it. the renewal or the freedom of your mind. Um, man, Reflection. I guess I just think about um being your full self mm. is something that I'm still working on still struggling with um, not holding back and you know being able to play with your full chest uh, with full confidence in who you are and your capabilities um how vital it is to, be able to embrace who you are to 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 get to the place where you can love yourself like my biggest goal in life is to get to the place where i can look at myself in the mirror and say there's no one else that i would rather be Mm. and i'm absolutely not there um but that is really really the goal and you know like having the um breakthrough moment in your class um in reflection, I can think about different events via improv that have truly truly helped to um, um, foment and 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 really allow me moments that I could truly truly genuinely appreciate who I am as a performer and then you know. Uh, simultaneously as a person um, which is really vital and helpful um, yeah I think the the reflections are to to be as true and honest and vulnerable um, but the journey to self love um, through performance um, I think is a a profound and critical one uh, and it's a journey and being able to for me learning how to be happy in the process um, being able to embrace the process uh, again things that I'm still very much struggling with and being able to get beyond trying to be good you know you want to be good you want to excel you want to you know hopefully start to begin to master whatever this thing is but every step of that journey reminding yourself to stay in the fun like Mm -hmm. to hear you say you know i love it i have to remind myself to get back to the place or to stay in a place of i'm doing this because i love it Mm -hmm. and when you find that you know that is again you 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 make the jump in the matrix you make the jump
2: the magic you know the magic of improv you know we you know um it just how how scenes work out sometimes, you know. <laughs> we were in the show was it two weeks ago, yes. and we were playing pick a line, and um...
1: so I, I I come out as this this weird kind of country Otis Redding esque character, mm-hmm. and I'm singing sitting on the dock of the bay with you know whatever the character is through Mm -hmm. that character's voice and I take the pick a line hat and I'm using it as an assortment of stones that I've written messages on that I'm tossing out you know so you know I I felt like it was a good clever way to come in and utilize that as germane to the scene and I'm sitting on the dock of the bay and I'm just tossing these stones that I have written messages on out into the water
2: yeah I come out I do my silly walking, you know, like, and we're just, we're ping-ponging back and forth, you know, just this, this conversation about, you know, who we are in um, our relationship, right? And um, I forgot what his, I forgot what your line said, but it was, you know, he's expressing his love to me, right? My line was, um, oops,
1: I did it again. And I was like, yeah, I keep playing these Justin Timberlake songs, and she kept telling me to play Britney Spears, and I obviously was not paying attention, Mm -hmm. you know, so you then, we had some kind of mix up about who a certain song was by. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: right <laughs> yes that's Otis Reddick was I mean Justin Timberlake did not sing Doc of the Beck. right <laughs> so I'm like but Justin did Justin did an entire soul uh,
1: like a, a soul a celebration album where he had did like Bill Withers da, 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 mm-hmm. and obviously this is not happen but that was what was happening in the scene so yeah there was this
2: this, this, <laughs> this album that Justin Timberlake had done you know Retro soul, whatever. And then you know, and I first like you know, I just, you know what I I wanna I want you to make me feel like you know this is my thing. And then I picked the line up, and it says, "I want you to make me feel like a natural woman." Aretha Franklin. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and it just, it just correlates with, and you know, pick a line. You don't you don't see the line until you. Actually read it. Right, you know? Right. We have no idea what people are putting in this hat. But, you know, the synergy, the... The kismet yeah. of
1: me coming out singing an old soul songs. Old song. soul songs, right? Like And it's ending. And, the, and funny, it goes to a pop reference. Yes. And then back to... Yes. And then Justin being... Because we may reference to Blue-Eyed Soul. And then back to Aretha Franklin. You know, I came out with an idea about tossing the stones
2: mm-hmm. and sitting
1: on the dock of the bay
2: mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. that's all i had yeah and just to you know like i don't know it's just that magic there like it, we don't know we don't know how it happens and i just you know i wish after we you know after they edited us like that's the magic of improv right there you yeah. know and it happens so many times like you know so if it happens time. so many times yes then is
1: it really magic Yes. Or are we just true magicians like LD? Mm. In a world where magic is real. And you know where that world persists in improv. Black people come out here and get this magic.
2: <laughs> come get the magic, come get this black magic. <laughs> yeah, I just come get
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our new slogan for 2023. Cousin, come get this black magic. <laughs> Sorry
0: I went off on that tangent, but I just was No, no, about... but it's great though. It's great. I mean, you you're so right. You're you're absolutely right. Boys, we've come to the last question. Oh, this is where we get to do some musical improv. <laughs> <laughs> Drop that beat! I'll leave. leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we need to be able to keep a beat now. So. <laughs> and the one, and the three, and the six, and the seven. Um, but here's the last question, and you guys can choose to answer this either as a group or individually. Mm-hmm. What's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you want everyone else to hear? Mm. In life or in improv?
2: Anything. Anything. Isn't it the same? It is the same, yeah. Hmm. You may have to pause the podcast. <laughs> I mean... just off the top of my head, uh, <clears throat> of just what I said earlier is just don't come don't conform to the patterns of the world but be transformed and renewed uh by your mind, you know. Um Yeah, just, you know, change your perspective, you know. Um the world we come out of the we come into this world with um chips on our shoulder, negativity, like all that stuff is comes at us you know where it's more bad than than we what we perceive as good things happening for us and you know um, so we need to pursue that happiness you know and pursue that joy find those things that'll give us you know happiness and joy and peace and love you know because the negativity sometimes can bring you down it could be you know, just whatever's happening around you, your job, you know, like all these things coming at you, but, you know, pursue that happiness, so, just changing your perspective. We live
1: in a world of tough competitors, and tonight, our little business had a really big night, but it wasn't nearly as good because I didn't, have you there to share it. I couldn't see your face. I miss my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is I'll this a music. pursuit of happiness? <laughs> 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 it's not. It's Jerry Maguire.
3: Oh. Um, oh.
2: hey oh. no <laughs> I had no idea.
0: <laughs> he was doing something I'm so, I'm so ridiculous if I we thought were he was really getting sincere <laughs> oh no he's just doing freaking so jobs
1: of all movies and that- it wouldn't be the perfect quote because there's the little thing at the end of something about like you know in life I've lived I've failed but ultimately you know I loved and my family was important and I wish you my type of happiness but I don't remember the quote so I will simply say um, it's not the room that matters but what you do in the room
3: mm-hmm. Um
1: it was uh, told me he had a very crushing, terrible time uh, where I was getting kicked out of high school. Um, and the dean of the school at that time told me that. Um, and it did. It stuck with me because it was so important to me that I'd be in this prestigious school in order to excel and, you know, um, to be successful. And despite, you know, getting out of that school, I still ended up in, you know, college with the same students I was in that school with. Um, So, you know, many paths, many ways to get there. Um, And it wasn't about that room. It wasn't about the particular prestigious place. Um, It's about the work that you do. Um, And so whatever that is, however that applies, you know, don't get caught up into, you know, what you think is so important about the place, the room, or whatever the setting may be, but you being your full authentic self in that and excelling at who you are, being the best of who you are, um, is what's going to ultimately matter the most. Mm. Mm. Gentlemen, I had such a great time with you. Thank you. I think we're up for an or S. You have a
0: quote uh, that you live by? Um, you know, I, I've never thought about it myself, and I ask this Ooh. question to everybody. Um, when I think of a really good one, uh, I'll, I'll share it. Okay. Can you give us a bad one? Like, what's uh, a the bad worst one? one you
1: could think of? Yeah. Like
0: the- oh sure. Uh, you don't have to stay in rhythm. It's okay.
3: Soon,
1: <laughs> eyebrow <laughs> <laughs> meets a low brown, walking along Soon, brown hears no and it's a shame and you're the blame. What's the use in prohibition? Uh. You produce the same condition.
2: Crazy rhythm.
0: Here's goodbye to you. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, LD. Man, I always have a fun time with these two. What a blast. What a blast. And it's true. What matters is what you do in the room, not the room itself. My thanks to David Hepburn and Alex Taylor. Be sure to check out their show, Cousins. They perform all over the country and are just absolutely amazing. To all of you listening, my thanks to you as well. I always appreciate spending this time with you, and I hope I'm able to give you something interesting to listen to, and maybe even help your day get better. You can find me online at my website togetherbymyself.com to learn about my solo improv show, and you can also find me on YouTube at my two channels, Together By Myself and LD Madeira Magic. There's a lot more fun to be had here on the podcast, so be sure to stay tuned for more. And if you're having a good time here, feel free to leave a review and give some stars. Enjoy your day, folks. And I'll see you again here on Improv and Magic.